0: Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I am your host Ben Kreider and we have got an emergency again. It has been like a couple months since I've broken an emergency story. I don't even know what the last one was to be quite honest with you. Maybe it was like a free like whenever we signed deck or something but I don't even know if that garner an emergency. Like this is the biggest news that we have gotten probably all, all year in terms of trading and then Also, I mean, I guess lottery standings do matter, but this is a big one. This is a big domino to fall, and you guys have probably already heard the news, but Al Horford has finally been traded away from the Oklahoma City Thunder. This was a move that has kind of been a long time coming. I mean, whenever they picked up Al Horford this past season, it was well known that he was not here to stay. I mean, his contract at the time was brutal. Three-year deal worth... I don't think it was over, I think it was $81 million, 81 over three years, and he played solid for the Thunder this past season to the point that he became a decent enough asset that we could actually flip him and get even more return on him, so this news comes from Adrian Wojnarowski, he broke this earlier this morning, and I'm pretty upset because I actually like slept right through the announcement and... I, I kind of figured it out a little bit later than everybody else, but it's fine. It's fine. Same day, no hard feelings. But, anyways, here is the deal The Thunder received Kemba Walker from the Boston Celtics, the 16th pick in the draft. And they also got a 2025 second round pick, which gives you the best of either the Memphis Grizzlies or the Boston Celtics. And for the Thunder, they gave up Al Horford. They gave up a 2023 second round pick, which is going to be the worst of Dallas, Houston, or Miami. So there's a lot of different picks that go into this, but they also threw in Moses Brown on the deal. So when I look at this, I'm a little bit upset about Moses Brown. I'll talk about him in a second, but I think this is a move that kind of helps a little bit on both sides because for the Thunder, I mean, what was going to be the point in carrying around a guy and Al Horford, he's 35 years old now, I mean, when he gets done with his contract, let's assume he makes it the full length, he's gonna be 37, and I don't think the Thunder would need that, I mean, they clearly are trying to move with, like, this kind of youth movement, and Horford has never really fit the bill there, he was just a veteran leader, and whenever we kind of gave him the axe back in March, it's pretty obvious what his destiny would have held, and it wasn't a surefire thing entering this offseason that Horford would have had a jersey change. Like, there was a chat that maybe there wouldn't be any sort of suitors that, um, you know, could could come up. And I remember I actually talked with Keith Smith on Locker Room. Uh, I think they actually changed the, the name of the app now. But I was talking to him on trade deadline day, just kind of wondering if Al Horford could have been moved to the Celtics. And he said that he saw a fit, but... It would have been something over the off season. We're in the off season, and boom, here you go. I mean, this is a trade that has been reported for like two weeks. I touched up on it, I think, uh, a couple days ago. Um, you know, just the idea of Horford being traded for Kemba, and I also talked about Porzingis. But yeah, I mean, this is just one of those deals where there's not a lot of options just based off of contracts, and it it fits what Boston needs, and for the Thunder it kind of helps them too because you do get an asset in Kemba who is going to be movable in the future. But for the Celtics, I mean, from a contract standpoint, they actually shed a good amount of money here because Kemba Walker, over the next two seasons, it's a one-in-one deal for him. So he has next year and then he has a player option, which he would be a fool not to, you know, take here. But he's making $73 million over those two. And for Al Horford, if he plays both seasons, He's gonna get 54 million dollars guaranteed. That's already shaving off 19 million dollars from a contract. But let's say for the Celtics that he doesn't perform like they expected him to. He was amazing before he, you know, went off to the 76ers. Like he was exactly what the Celtics needed. Let's say he's not up to par. He's not fitting with Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown can't mesh with them. They can cut him off after this next season. And they don't have to pay him much. I think it's only 14 mil. So they'd only have to pay him $41 million. And that is $32 million that you cut there. So financially, the Celtics are saving big regardless of what they do with Al Horford. And I'd expect, honestly, if they want to make a serious push, having Al Horford on for $27 million as a 36-year-old going 37 by the end of it might not be the smartest move but they can cut them off. They get a second round pick, which truthfully has not a lot of value whatsoever. You get the worst out of Dallas, Houston, or Miami. And I'd assume that either Dallas or Miami are going to be in that top 10 uh, in two years. But the big interesting piece for them is going to be Moses Brown. And this is a guy who put up nice numbers for the Thunder this past season and I am an absolute sucker for this man because I saw him from day one I watched every single one of the 15 blue games start to finish I was home and yeah I mean I was just able to watch it on ESPN plus he was unstoppable and he became an absolute darling and when he came over and started beasting for the Thunder he was my favorite player. I think he was my favorite player on the roster this past season. So I am a little bit crushed about it. And, you know, with him getting the uh, the new contract, like, he he's going to be, I guess, non-guaranteed for the next th- three seasons. But, um, yeah, I mean, I was really looking forward to seeing him as a bench piece for the Thunder. But with him getting shipped off, now you're going to see him on the Celtics. Overall, I mean, this is a person who depending on who you ask, they're either going to love him or they're going to hate him. This is a person who was putting up so-called empty stats. I mean, for the Thunder, they were tanking. Someone's going to have to get the numbers, and it ended up being Moses Brown. He averaged 8.6 points and 8.9 rebounds while he played in 43 games. And out of those 8.9 rebounds, 3.6 of them were on the offensive glass. So I love him as a rebounder. And he is very athletic. At 7 foot 2, he's the fastest center we've probably seen in a Thunder uniform thus far. Um so I loved him. And I thought that with him being only 21 years old, he's very, very stocky. If he would have built out a nice frame with the Thunder, he could have been a really good backup for us. And for the Celtics, I just don't like the situation here with them, because they already have Time Lord playing, and then on top of that, you're looking at players like Tristan Tristan Thompson, and hell, even Al Horford, if he's going to be a center, so let's say you want to slide Horford down to the the four, he's still going to be like a third string center for you, and he may get promoted to the second string, but even at that, like, the Thunder, that was the perfect scenario for him, and uh, you know, it's just one of those things where, I guess, they, the Thunder needed some other extra asset to make things kind of incentivized for the uh, the Celtics, because really, this was trading the 16th pick for a nasty contract, just swapping a, a bad contract for an even worse one, um, but you get that pick. They want something else, though, and when you're thinking of the guys who would have been on the board here, Moses Brown. Kenrich Williams, Ty Jerome, just those like low level contracts who aren't making a lot. And guys like that are also maybe even Isaiah Roby, like just those structural contracts where it's either a rookie deal or non-guaranteed money. And I would not put him over Kenrich right now. I think Ty Jerome, I would also be heartbroken about. I just, I don't know. I think um, it's tough because I would be really mad if any of those guys got traded. And sure, do they have a lot of future with the team? Like, are they going to be stars? Probably not. But, I mean, Moses Brown does have some potential. And he has a lot of room to grow to become a certified center in the league. I think as an athlete, he's already there. He's above a lot of the competition. And, you know, when he's going up against smaller fives, he's also great. One of the things with him was... He was terrible um whenever scouting reports came out on him because for the first 2 weeks nobody could stop him. I mean, he dropped 21 points and 23 rebounds on this Celtics team this past season. Uh maybe this was the game they won. I don't know if it was, but the Celtics could not control him. And that was just how he was to, to begin. Like no one could touch him. He was averaging a double-double for most of the season. And when teams started clamping up on him, it was a problem, but I do think, regardless, even if you have a scouting report, if you got someone who's 6'10 on Moses Brown, like a typical backup, he's going to kill you every time. So I still like him as a guy who's going to put up numbers for you. It's just, how would he work in an offense? And I guess my only reasoning for why he would be involved in this deal is the Thunder, they probably don't want him playing next to SGA or Maladone. And For SGA in particular, I mean, this is the most drive-heavy player in the NBA, far and away. Like, Doncic was second best in the league. He had, like, 20. SGA had 25. And, you know, when SGA's driving in, he's willing to take contested shots. And a lot of the time, contested shots arose because people were rolling to the basket, and there was not a pick and pop threat in sight. Now, when you look at the timelines of SGA and Moses Brown, they hardly mess, they, they hardly intertwine, so there's stats of, like, SGA being third best in contested layups, Moses Brown's not part of that stat, because Moses Brown started in mid-March, and then SGA left in mid-March, so you have kind of, you know, differing schedules, but anyways, like, I still think regardless, if you're gonna have a role man next to SGA, it will end up hurting him, luckily he's fast, but I don't know, I, I do think it, it could just be one of those signs where Presti was upset, Um, or, you know, they had maybe some sort of concern there. I still think he's a good backup center, and I don't know if he's ever going to bridge a gap to a starter. I do know he has potential. He does need to iron out specifically on defense, though, because the one real slight with him is that he has just some stone feet on defense, particularly off of the pick and roll he gets caught up, and if there's a floater specialist on the other side, they're going to have 20 points in 5 minutes against him, because you just need to go right at that play, Moses Brown can't really get up there in time, so that's the major issue with him, also I guess strength-wise, but he is a solid prospect for the Celtics to mold around, and he's only 21, this is a guy who's on a very, very solid contract, so I do think they can make something out of him, but right now, if they are going to run Horford at the five or they're going to have Thompson and, you know, Time Lord ahead of him, I don't know how he's going to blossom. I think he's going to get stunned again, and I don't know. I just felt like OKC was the best situation possible for Moses Brown anyways, but he's out now, and that's that. They're going to bring in Horford, who is a guy that played solid for the Thunder this past season. Like, there is no slight against Al Horford whatsoever now was he amazing for us no but he gave exactly what was necessary for us to get to this point where we can actually ship him off i'd probably say he was better here than he was playing for philly and maybe even a little bit with the boston celtics i mean he averaged 14.2 points this past year last time he averaged more than that was with the atlanta hawks so clearly he was good but he was a pick and pop guy for sga it's obvious the Celtics have had center issues for a while, they were in the hunt for Vucevic and John Collins, struck out twice, they weren't going to get a complete out here, so they end up snagging Al Horford, but he's going to be a good pick and pop threat, he's a decent center, and I do think over time he could deteriorate, like it's it's good that he has that three-point shot to lean back on, but they still have that safety net like I mentioned, so not all is lost there, They definitely needed a center though and he fits the bill for what you need. The big deal for them though is they were able to get rid of Kemba Walker and with that you had to attach that 16th pick which is the big key piece on Oklahoma City's side but you get a player in Kemba Walker who he's been dealing with injuries yes and his contract right now is pretty bad but out of the guys that we're available for an Al Horford deal. I think Kemba Walker has the highest ceiling out of anybody. Well, actually maybe Kristaps Porzingis does, but in terms of what the positional needs are in the NBA, a point guard is 10 times more valuable than what you're going to find anywhere in the front court. So Kemba Walker could be pretty lucrative. It's a major deal to take on though. So Kemba, he's been good. I mean, he averaged 19.3 points, for the Celtics, four rebounds, and just a little under five assists with them. But the thing is, he kind of took away a little from Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And when you look at the usage stats, it doesn't look like he takes away that much, but he takes the minutes up, and he's a point guard. He loves handling the basketball. So you look at him and SGA, that pairing is a little bit funky, but the hope is you can kind of recreate what happened with cp3 dennis schroeder and sga from two years ago and i don't know if you're gonna stem that magic and i don't know if kemba walker is even gonna suit up in a thunder uniform but the hope is you can plug him in and he's gonna be able to contribute right away there's no question on that but you gotta just jump up his stock again and hopefully just trade him yet again so with kemba I think positionally, it it does suck because the point guard and the shooting guard spot in particular is where I expected the Thunder to be working on in the offseason, and that's already one of their strongest areas, um, just based on a development standpoint, but I mean, this was about the best you could do, and you end up getting a pick in 16 where you can still potentially trade up here, and now they have 19 first round picks, I'll talk about all the combination of that. Uh, in a second, but with pick 16, you do get some flexibility to where, let's say, you strike out big time on Tuesday and you get pick seven and you get pick 18. Well, pick 16 and pick 18 for one of those like l- late lottery teams, maybe they might want to move pick 11 for pick 16 and pick 18. You can go out and package all three of those picks. To maybe move up a couple spots and get a guy like an Evan Mobley or a Jalen Green. So the options do expand. And really, you're valuing pick 16 up against Moses Brown. And I love Moses Brown. Um, You know, is he, is he a guy... We don't know who we have at 16, so I'll grade it later. But I think he's a guy who definitely has exceeded his projection thus far. For pick 16, though... You can go after some superstars that might fit your rebuild better if everything works out. You look at a guy, maybe like a Jalen Johnson, for instance, if he falls down the boards and you might want to go after like a, a wing with a little bit of everything, you could take him. If Josh Giddy falls, just an oversized point guard, you can take him. JT Thor out of Auburn. There's a lot of different guys in this draft class, especially in the mid to late First round and teens that um that have potential. And I think the Thunder with that selection are gonna be able to find another Alexei Pokashevsky type. I mean, he got picked at seventeen, for example, last year. So it just gives you one more extra piece to tinker around with. And this one's ten times better than the the Schroeder trade. I mean we got picked twenty-eight there, and then the other move we made, I think it was like the Jeremy Grant one to get twenty-five. Like our moves are so much better right here and um well actually I don't even know if we got that yeah I don't know what happened but um yeah I mean this pick is far better than what we had um last season so it just gives you another kind of out and let's say the dream scenario happens anyways you get pick one and five well the fun doesn't end there because you get to add one more amazing prospect in the mid first but also you have two extremely high second round picks and in the second round you have 34 and 36 i believe and you can still package those so you cannot forget they have five really valuable picks in this draft class and you might want to downplay the back two Teo maladon got picked on pick 34 this past draft class so someone will slide and the way that boards have currently shifted there are a lot of front court figures very good ones who are in free fall mode they're projected in the second round not early but mid to late and i'll cover those later on the podcast but i mean there are people who are so undervalued here Presty knows about it he will hit on those guys we're not going to be going for the high floor low ceiling players at all right now you want to be going for bang bang plays and you get five really clean shots at it in this draft and on top of what could be two top five picks, you get a mid first that also is going to possess a lot of strength because the mid first still is going to have stars. Like when you look at past drafts, there's always going to be someone who falls out of that top five, maybe five to 14. There's going to be an all-star there in the mid first round. There'll there'll be an all-star late first round. You could find some very valuable pieces. So This just gives more room for the scouting department. They must love this draft class, you know, to make this play right now. But pick 16 is very, very good in comparison to what we've seen kind of dumped off. Because when we got rid of Al Horford, or when we picked him up, we did get a first round pick from Philadelphia. I think that's pick 20, uh, yeah, in 2025, we got the 34th pick in the draft class. And then we also just kind of got some fillers um, thrown in there. We got Micic, for example, and you're able to kind of build off of that. Now, that might be a bit of a better deal, um, just based off of what we could see from that Philly pick and Maladon right now. But currently, I mean, if we didn't know, if we just got a random guy with pick 34, this might have been a better deal. And when you compare this to like a Chris Paul trade almost, where we got Ty Jerome, uh, first round pick for next season, Kelly Oubre who we traded for a second round pick now like maybe this just might end up being a better deal which is wild imagine Chris Paul a guy who's leading these Suns, if he gets over COVID if he's out of protocol he could lead him to a championship Al Horford might have given us a better return than him so it's absolutely ridiculous but um you know even on top of Kemba that pick the 2025 second still holds value because you get the Boston pick or you get the Grizzlies and both teams are trending upwards. That is no brainer. I think Boston, I mean, they are in absolute havoc mode because Brad Stevens made this move. He's done coaching. They're still looking for coaching positions. There might be a fallout by 2025. I don't expect it with the Grizzlies. I mean, they already had the foundation laid out. I think they're going to be hunting for the playoffs it's going to be a four it's going to be in the 40s no doubt. So, it's better than what we, you know, the pick we're handing out to them um in 2 years, but yeah. I mean, at least it's a swap best or you get the best pick out of there. Um I just want to talk about a little bit though, the picks that we're receiving. I mean, we are getting a lot of draft picks, 19 first round picks until 2027. And then you stack that on top of I think I guess now it'd be 18, or no, it'd be 17 seconds, because we are swapping here, but people want to think that these picks uh, are losing value, and I think on one end, yeah, they could be, but no one's gonna, you know, Presty's not just gonna be handing draft picks away like candy come draft nights, he's gonna be playing these things out, and one comparison is like a Danny Ainge when he completely robbed the Celtics and he got that Kings pick. He didn't really trade those draft picks away. And, you know, look at them now. They're not the championship contender that they were seen as guarantees for just a few seasons ago. So, I mean, when I look at the Thunder, it's completely different though, because 19 first round picks, this is a guy in Presti who his whole entire resume for the past five seasons has been built around rebuilding players with low value and getting return value off of them. How are you going to convince me that he can't trade really lucrative draft picks for assets and a very good one at that? No one in the NBA has as much firepower as the Oklahoma City Thunder does. When you look at what he's done, he's gotten he got Ennis Cancer on what was seen as a really bad extension. Got Melo out of it for a couple years. Melo wasn't good. You trade him really out of nowhere. He seemed like a guaranteed buyout from our end. You got Dennis Schroeder out of that, and he turned into a first-round pick. You got Chris Paul from Russell Westbrook. You trade Chris Paul, and then Al Horford's there now you end up with Kemba Walker Kemba Walker is going to get traded number one but number two that tells you with all these picks that he's harvesting up he's going to be wheeling and dealing just like he has all along and this is not a new part of Sam Presti's game we have seen Presti use this side before where he's going to be the highest bidder regardless I mean when we traded for Alexei Pogashevsky We traded, what, all of eight picks up from 25 to 17, but you had to add in pick 28 on top of that and Ricky Rubio? That was an overpay. Like, that was, by all accounts, an overpay, but you don't look at that deal for Alexei Pokashevsky right now and complain about what we did. Sure, Emmanuel Quickly and Jada McDaniels were those two selections. They were steals for their spots, but no guarantee we would have taken either of them, right? So, Poku... For what we gave up is no big deal, and even on top of that, when we traded away Kelly Oubre for the first round pick from the Warriors, this was a guy who, I mean, at the moment, he seemed like we could have built something with him in SGA, but right now, I mean, Oubre would have gotten us a couple more wins, we would have been in a different situation right now, and it's really better that we gave him up, and we really don't need an asset in return because we already have some. If Kemba is terrible, we can afford to give away a couple picks to get rid of him, and we're still going to be afloat. If there's a draft pick that Presti really wants or there's a certain prospect he needs, he's he can trade multiple first-round selections, he can throw in second-rounders, and make a godfather offer no one can deny. And there are there have been deals where people will trade three four first round picks for one player and it gets shot down i'm not saying that's never going to happen but sam presti's never going to sit around and just mope with these draft picks he's always going to be active until every single one of these draft picks either gets selected by the thunder or they get shipped away there's no way on earth he's going to let these selections go to waste especially if they have any sort of value to that and that's for me that's if Oklahoma City has any sort of draft pick from, I don't know, 1 through 45. I think once you get past 45, it's more or less like a crapshoot. But until you reach that, I mean, there's still a value there and people will pay for draft picks. I think if it's the Thunder, though, they might just let it go to waste and see what happens. Um, but yeah, I mean, why would any of the other 29 franchises watch the Thunder just throw away their draft picks, of course they're gonna want these draft picks, and yeah, could they try to lowball off them, sure, but Sam Presti's not gonna allow that, that's never been what he does, he's not settling for deals, the only time we've seen it, it was in 2012, and that was a deal where the blame goes everywhere, the blame's on Presti, the blame's on management, you dice it up, but um, I mean, yeah, he hasn't had a lot of those situations where he's just going to settle. He's going to make the other team settle. And that's exactly what he did with the Boston Celtics because they had a situation here where, you know, Kemba was not working with the two wings and Brown and Tatum. They want to contend for a championship. And ultimately, Kemba Walker was kind of fighting with them and not meshing. So they get Horford, you know, Thunder, they'll get Walker. They can figure out what they're going to do with him. But with these draft picks, You know this whole idea that these picks are not worth anything is terrible. So they're definitely going to make a way here. I mean, if they want to package five, four or five picks to get an All Star, they by all means can do that. They have 19 first round picks. I don't know if that gives you Doncic. You know, last week for sure no. Maybe you can get that pick now because they don't have anyone running that franchise anymore. But um, yeah, like you have a lot of room to work with here. And the idea that having more is less is the is it's dumb i mean clearly the thunder have the most assets in the nba currently so there's no diminishing return on my part i think if anything they're just going to be able to use these draft picks and in the next two or three drafts they might just want to flip all them and make sure they get high up in these lotteries because if they don't like what they see on tuesday they for sure can make the deals to have front offices kind of second guessing and maybe even take the thunder up on a trade to allow them to climb up the board and select whoever uh whoever may be there. And when you look at the roster right now, I mean, you would kind of be uh you kind of be prompted to think the thunder would be looking for a center in this draft class, whether it be an Evan Mobley or a Kai Jones, maybe an Usman Garuba. Um but yeah, I mean, they don't have a center on the roster because now Moses Brown, he's out. Al Horford, he's also out. Tony Bradley, he's a restricted free agent, so they could pick him up. Mike Muscala, he's an unrestricted free agent. He would love to be back, but truthfully, I don't know if the Thunder would actually want to bring a guy like that back on the roster. Um, He is a good leader, though. Like, the only somewhat modest five we have right now is Isaiah Roby, and maybe, just maybe, if you want to throw Alexei Pogashevsky there, you can see how that works. I don't know. I don't know how, how well that experiment would be, but you could try it. Um, they need a center, though. And when you check out where the roster lies, I think the fit with a guy like Perzingus probably would be a lot nicer. But you're all you're all right with Kemba. So Kemba is res- respectable. He'll be able to make that duo with SGA. He can seamlessly fit, and he can play off the ball, which is perfect. Um, problem is, he's 31 years old and the guard positions are already pretty heavily stacked, you have SGA who who's needs 30 minutes a game, you have Ty Jerome who has blossomed, he went from a nobody with Phoenix to now, he's a really really good role player for the Thunder, and he's like a Seth Curry kind of prototype off our bench, and then Tao Maladon was doing a good job starting, and he turned 20 not too long ago, so if you're going to throw in a guy like Kemba, that, put you, that puts a major, major dent in the rotation. And for other guys who you potentially would be looking at, a Vasile Micic, a Vit Krejci, they can't play there. It's already solidified with four guys. And yeah, I mean, you can say that Kemba Walker is low on the priority list right now. Like if they stumble upon a, a draft prospect, excuse me, they stumble upon a draft prospect like they'd obviously put him above Kemba, but you need to know, like, this is a business, and for their operation to continue to work well, Kemba Walker is going to need to have minutes with the Thunder, and he's going to need to impress, so you can't give him 15-20 minutes off the bench and expect someone to give you an asset, you know, you're going to have to pay back, and I don't even know if they'd want someone like Kemba, unless they were scoring 20 points a game, right, so, they would need, he'd need 25-30 minutes and that really hurts the development of guys like Teo and Ty. but on top of that, I talked about Micic, Kredchi, how about a draft pick here? Like, if you are going to be in the top five, a guy like Jalen Green seems like a perfect fit, and I don't know why you would skip over a guy like Jalen Green, because Kemba's there. You should never do that. That should not be a good philosophy, but there's also Evan Mobley, and you'd have to think the Thunder would like him. Now, this could just be a matter of we'll figure it out in the offseason, we'll figure it out in free agency, we have the draft picks, we'll just see if we can hit on anybody at the center position. But um, yeah, like if if Jalen Green is there and you take him, how is the fallout gonna work? Because it's not gonna affect just Kemba or Jalen Green. It's not a two-way deal here. It's gonna affect every single guard on the roster and potentially even more because look at a guy like Kenrich Williams who has dropped from shooting guard to small forward he's gonna have to be a strict small forward and then what happens to guys like Roby and Baisley and Josh Hall if we keep them it just continues and continues it's gonna hurt a lot like unless you just go straight up center in this draft class there's gonna be some dysfunction in terms of figuring out the rotation unless there's some sort of deal that is made between now and tip off time in uh sometime in october so it impacts it in a big way and i don't know i mean maybe presti can try to flip him again let make it like a th- i don't know if it's already official so i don't know if you can add like the mavs or maybe even the wizards get bertons or some crap i don't even know if the wizards wouldn't want kemba uh you could try to make a big three westbrook kemba and uh, Beal i might just be completely throwing logic and uh salary cap out the window with that one but i mean you could try to add someone and get rid of him i don't know if that's going to be able to work out well because he is making you know like 36 million this year and 37 million next year it's not pretty whatsoever so you take him in as another project piece but i I mean like i feel like the timing is almost weird of this one because you could have made this same move during draft night like if you you could have seen what you had in the draft lottery first off and let's say they didn't like what they had um or let's say for instance they get an evan mobley or something like that they get what they want and now you're talking pick 16 well the deal for al horford's going to be on the table evan mobley's the future at the five spot well you make that move and there's no issue now but now you're walking into the draft with kind of some underlying rotation issues and you do not want that I don't know if they're going to think about that if that's going to be in the forefront of their minds but I really hope it's not because a main priority here is going to be getting a sidekick next to SGA and Kemma Walker's not going to be that he's going to be a one-year rental two-year at worst and then he's going to be going off to a contender He's not going to be the reason we are contending. He's going to be a reason we're sneaking in the play-in and being a middle-tier team right now, and I'm not sure if that's too beneficial for the roster right now. So it is a wrench in things, and, you know, Presti will have to talk, and there will need to be discussions between Kemba and just everybody. I would imagine he would love to be on a contender right now. That's why he got out of Charlotte, and the Boston Celtics just kind of threw him to the Lions then, and now he's in Bricktown, but um, I mean, there has to be some other move here, like, I feel like this is a person who, unlike a Horford where there was a, um, you know, a need for center at the time, there's no real need for the point guard to begin with, so you're already kind of forcing things here, and it could actually limit us in terms of what the draft board may look like and it's stupid now but I really hope that doesn't play into things because it 100% should not impact how they're walking into the boardroom and uh evaluating talent but we'll see how it happens on Tuesday that's really going to set the table for for what we see but yeah I mean Kemba Walker regardless is going to be another project that Presti will need to go and just try to get some sort of valuable piece out of him Moses Brown like, just seeing he's off the team sucks, um, like I said, some people think he's just a straight-up bum, others think there's potential, I think there's potential, and for me, maybe it's because I was watching him since the G League, and it's like, I, I feel like I just cannot see him go, because he really is the only main part of that team that wasn't, like, a call-up where they were already playing for the Thunder, but, um, yeah, like, it, it sucks, and I hope he does well in Boston, I hope Horford does well in Boston, I hope we figure this out, though, because this is a deal where we do get our money's worth off this pick 16, like, do not get me wrong, but we need to see what happens with Kemba Walker, and this could be one of those deals where it's just like Kelly Oubre. We could give off a pick or two, something like that, and, you know, we could be kind of that Warriors type where we would chew off a couple assets to get rid of him. Or I guess it'd be more like a Philly d- deal where we'd chew off, you know, these two early seconds we have, maybe like a, you know, some other pick and we can free him to some other roster. And that would be that. I, I do think though the board has shrunken down, like with Horford, there are a lot of different avenues you could have made a trade with him. With Kemba, you really look at the Dallas Mavericks and I wouldn't mind Prazingis, um, when you look at it right now, I don't know what the Mavs would want to do, but yeah, I mean, that's what you'd see, I've seen one floating around for the Pelicans, I do not want to touch Steven Adams again, like, if we thought Moses Brown was not compatible with SGA, um, you guys would hate, you would hate Steven Adams. Like we, we've seen him too much. Like we know how he plays. He's a back to the basket big, who is not going to shoot with his back to the basket. So he just sets screens and he cannot shoot the basketball and Brown can't do that either. Don't get me wrong, but there's no like real aggression to him. Um, and then even an Eric Bledsoe too, from that roster, you need a lot of picks to take those on in general, but that would also just, also screw you over you get another kemba type role with blood so and then steven adams is gonna put you uh, kind of on a cap for the five too so deals i'll make sure to talk about those at a later date but uh yeah man like this deal didn't really come out of nowhere like we have been drawing this up uh, like this has just been a social media like a bleacher report star uh of a deal so they're gonna be all hyped up they're gonna make so many fake trades now that are really really unreasonable this was a reasonable one though and it's pretty obvious because there there was just a sitting asset for the boston celtics and with them kind of already having a structured set of young pieces and like peyton pritchard romeo Langford, aaron neesmith if you want to count all of them as like really young assets they didn't really need this pick because regardless, whoever they drafted would have been stashed. So Moses Brown is kind of that compensation prize for them where they get a young 21 year old who can fill a need for them if you know the center issues ever kinda of spring up during the year. But yeah, I mean they get rid of that 16th pick and the main issue they had in Kemba is now eradicated and they can kinda of start fresh and they're gonna save a lot of money. Off of doing this too. I think they got some sort of uh some sort of trade exception. But this deal is gonna be something that we are gonna talk about until lottery night, really until draft day, and until the season starts. Because we don't know if Kemba's gonna stick around. If you look at you know past experiences, the chances are we keep him around, but the difference is like the situations have been so much different in the past because we already have SGA, we do have Maladone. If we land another point guard or shooting guard, I don't know what's going to happen with Kemba, but we'll have to see things unravel kind of one by one. We're going to take the day by day approach for this. But yeah, I mean, this was the big highlight of uh, not really the season for us. Maybe like in terms of trades, this was the big trade for us we've been waiting for. But the big news is going to start on Tuesday, so make sure to watch the Draft Lottery. It's going to be on at 7.30 Central Standard Time, so got to check it out, man. The most important 30 minutes the Thunder franchise has seen in about like four years, so maybe even five years. But yeah, definitely tune into that. Also, tune into my collab I'm doing with Bricktown Breakdown. I'm going to be doing that, recording it in two days from now. So just keep your eyes peeled for that one. Going to be talking about the draft lottery. And now with this deal, we're going to be talking about Kemba Walker just a little bit as well. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.